Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Evan Roberts. Tiki Barber. It's Evan and Tiki on WFAN, The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I'm in a good mood. I just watched Pete Alonso hit a home run in spring training. That makes me happy. It doesn't count, but on February 28th, what's better than seeing Florida Sun and my guy Pete going deep? We have a very busy show today. There will be a lot of football discussed, including comparing what players think of the Giants versus the Jets. And I had a come-to-Jesus moment last night. Why Madison Square Garden is far and away the best arena in this town. <laughs> I will admit it. I will come clean on why. But Tiki, it's very, very important that we are fair around here. Mm-hmm. And while I may come across very reactionary and very emotional, and you know my heart is on my sleeve, I want to be fair. As much as I'm down on the Jets, as angry as I am off this past season, it, to me, was the most disappointing season in the history of the franchise. I don't want to just see a headline or read a paragraph and then scream and react to it angrily. I want to be fair. That's a New Year's resolution I have in 2024. So McCall Hardman had a lot to say. Had a (laughs) lot to say about the New York Jets. And I think it's only fair for me. For you, especially you as a former player that's been in a room I can't imagine being in. Mm -hmm. And for me, as a diehard fan, which you can't imagine being in that spot, we are very unique. I listen as a Jet fan. I hear stuff. I may get angry. I may get defensive. You, rightfully so, hear it as a guy that's been in the room. So what I think we all should do right now is listen briefly to McCall Hardman. And then as Jet fans, as Giant fans, as non-football fans... You can formulate your own opinion on what he said and what it means. Maybe me and Tiki are going to agree. Maybe we're going to fight each other live in the studio. (laughs) I don't know. So that's the way we're going to begin the show today. So let's start off by asking McCole Hardman, who was on some podcast. I forget the name. I apologize. But I did listen to it. The Pivot. Ryan Clark. Oh, Ryan Clark. That's right. Ryan Clark was doing it. The Pivot. Let us start with McCole. What went wrong? For the Jets this season? I just feel like it wasn't, <clears throat> we were on the same page. Like, and I ain't trying to bash nobody like that, but it's like, y'all treat certain guys that shouldn't be treated like they should be treated. And it's like, I don't understand where y'all feel like that I don't compare or I can't compete with any of these guys that y'all playing in front of me. You know what I mean? And I just feel like it's not an established 
coaching staff there as well. Like you just got a new coach staff that came in, you know, and like it's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do, and it's like whatever. Now, granted, the defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a they got a a standard, but the offense is just like all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. But this is that like same coach that just was out of a job the previous year, then after get a new job. Yeah. So I just feel like it, it follows or see what's going on. So there are things he just said that pissed me off, <laughs> and then there are things that he said where I'm pissed off at McCall Hardman. Right. So started off as the former player. What did you take out of what first, he just said? First of all, it's a little convoluted, and it's hard to follow if you didn't know exactly what he was talking about because he's not mentioning anybody by name. right? He's talking about coaching staff or staffs that come together. One guy was out of a job last year. Nate Hackett. He's obviously talking about Nate Hackett, but why don't you say Nate Hackett or mm-hmm. say our offensive coordinator instead of leaving it up in the, in the air? The, so I'm of two minds when I hear some of the stuff that McCole Hardman said. One, I think he's right about some of these things. And I'll start with, you know, the the things that I probably agree with him about. And then there's a lot of it I don't. So the Aaron Rodgers infatuation was it was real. I mean, I, we, we went over there as a show. I wasn't there that day. But I had gone. I went the first week of training camp. First day, I think, of training camp. And it, it felt like that. Like, they were enamored with Aaron Rodgers. You heard it on 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 hard knocks when you hear you know the defense talking about Aaron Rodgers and the offense talking about Aaron Rodgers and it's like oh we got our savior like there was this infatuation with Aaron Rodgers over process if that makes sense right when you when you when you have a process to how you're going to be successful you install you execute you do xyz blah 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 everything kind of falls in line everybody's on the same page but it almost felt like Aaron Rodgers was bigger than all of that and when Aaron Rodgers gets lost or when you lose him for the season, I agree with what he's saying. Like, the process was so convoluted, it couldn't ever get back on track. Yes. Now, with that being said, like he, what he's talking about is the fact that he didn't play. What he's talking about is the fact that he had one reception right. in his, whatever it was, eight, nine games with the New York Jets. What he was talking about was that and it, what he thinks is a fair competition, he gets beat out, and he doesn't think he should have gotten beat out. But what I'm hearing is that he had no communication with this team or no no relationship with the coaching staff, and he just assumed that because he was a big-time free agent who had won two Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs that he was going to come in and be the man. I don't care where you what you've done. When you go someplace new, you got to reprove it. Mm. It's what I. It's why I've always said, right? Nobody loves you like your mama, right? When you get drafted by a team, that team saw something in you. They specifically drafted you to fill a role, and if you do it well, you're gonna get celebrated. But when you go someplace else, like they, they don't have any. They don't. You have to prove it again. Right. And I think he didn't prove it to the Jets, or at least. He thinks, at least I think he didn't prove it to the Jets, even though he, I think he said he was better than everybody. And so there's just a, there's, there's a lack of communication that felt like was going on there, and it frustrated him, and it probably frustrated the Jets too, which is why they ultimately moved on from See, him. See, nobody, no Jet fan gives a rat's ass about McCall Hardman's feelings about playing time. 
But here's what we care about. Here's what concerns me. When he basically implies that the offense was a disorganized mess that had no backup plan for when Aaron Rodgers went down, Mm -hmm. that's something that as a Jet fan, we felt throughout the entire season. And so to hear a guy in the locker room confirm our biggest fears, that's a problem. Right. Like, I don't care about him not getting playing time. I don't think any of us care about that. But when he confirms our fears... That's when you look back and say, so we were right. So we as irrational fans were right that basically their offensive game plan was, we have Aaron Rodgers. That was the plan. <laughs> I don't, I and mean, there was no backup plan for yeah, him going down. Well, we're talking, you talk backup plan, you're talking about quarterback. But I think the circumstances just were not ideal coming into this season. So they fired their offensive coordinator or allow him to move on. They fired him, right. but yes. We know, how, we know how it goes. They bring in Nate Hackett, and Nate basically brings one coach with him, and that was Zach Az- uh, Az- Azani, who was a, the wide receiver coach. He was in Denver. Actually, he was in Denver prior to Nate getting to Denver, and when he left Denver and came to the Jets, he brought him with him. Everybody else, from Todd Downing, who was with the Titans the year before, to uh, Rob Calabrese, who was already at the Jets before Nate got there, to Pat... Uh, Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A Bastion, who was a linebacker coach in college as an offensive assistant for the Jets, and Taylor uh, Emery, who was with the Jets and prior to Nate getting there, Nate didn't have his, like he didn't bring his staff. So what does that mean? Is that an excuse? No, it's not an excuse. It's just you have to understand that you have a new coordinator coming in who's going to do things his way because he's the offensive coordinator and nobody knows his process. Right. Right. And I'm going to keep using the word process because that's what matters most. You have to have a process going into training camp, going into you know the start of the regular season, going into every game, going into every third down situation, every goal goal to goal situation. You have to have a process, and if you don't, you you're going to get screwed. And it felt like they never developed the process, and in part of that is because there's no familiarity with the offensive staff. So part of what what Cole Hardman is saying it resonates to me. I, I, I can I can see it. I can see why that would have become an issue and him identifying it from, even though he's internally, an outside perspective makes sense because he's thinking of it in the context of what he had previously well, had he, with the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, he's also, which is a fulfilled and, and, and like clockwork right. process that yeah. Andy Reid has been implementing for a decade. Yeah, he Kansas went City. from the very best right. to what we kind of felt as Jet fans as a colossal mess. He went from Andy Reid run staff to Robert Sala run staff. Because yes. here's the other thing that also resonates with me. If I have a problem 
or if something's going wrong at WFAN, it really starts at the top. It starts with the architect. It it starts with him. Of course. I wouldn't say, ah, it's all Lugie's fault or even all Spike's fault. No, no. It starts at the top. Robert Sala is the top. I don't include Joe Douglas because as general manager, and we'll get to him and what he had to say, it's more about picking players and putting guys in position. But day-to-day, Robert Sala runs the operation. So when I hear the defense is a standard and the offense is, you know, all over the place, that's on Robert Sala. It it is. More so than Nate Hackett because Robert Sala is is the CEO. It is. And And behind all of that, all of what I just said, all of what you just said, is that an offense simply cannot function when your offensive line is compromised, when your offensive line sucks. Like the Jets did. Is that for the a only lot. reason why things went bad, though? It's not the only it's reason. It's a big reason, yes. But it is a contributing factor. Of course, I agree. Right? Think about think yeah. about it. Like from from Lake and Tomlinson, who they signed with great fanfare from San Francisco, to, to just releasing him. Yes, he played, right? but he stunk. Right. That's so, my evaluation of Lake and Tomlinson. He went out and played, but yes. he stunk. Right. And then yeah. and then you you get AVT gets hurt. Early on in the season, because he's playing every position, trying to fill holes, and th- like when you have that that many things go wrong, from new staff not getting the process in order, a bad offensive line, a hurt quarterback, you tell me one team that has any chance of being successful, and I'm telling you, you I'll, you're selling me a bridge in, in Brooklyn too. Here, right? it makes no sense that they that they would expect success when all of those things. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Here's the second clip from McCall Hardman, him lecturing us that he knows about winning. <laughs> this about that was, y'all can't tell me about winning. I'm, 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 I've been to four That's Super right. Bowls in five years. You know what I'm saying? Now, you feel me? But beforehand, I told, I've been to four AFC championships. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like, I'm not going for that. Like, because y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, I'm like, that's not going to get y'all to win. It's not going to happen. Because you step in the KC locker room, it's Pat, it's me, it's Trav, it's, it's Nick Allegretti, it's Noah Drake. We all on the same level. Nobody's treated differently. If, if Coach say, if Coach Reed say, we don't wear yellow cleats in practice. If Pat go out there and wear yellow cleats, Pat go back and sign and change his cleats. Everybody treated the same. So it was like when we was out there, there was no really structure was going on. And obviously it's new new coaches and stuff like that, but I'm trying to help y'all out. But y'all like, oh, whatever. Like, and- Is every player treated equally in the, no, in the locker room? Of course not. That's so, asinine. So it's normal <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers may have been treated a little bit differently than the backup tight end. Dude, this happened, this happened throughout my career, right? With with Jim Fossil, even, even with – I, I Coach Coughlin, like, if you are, you have to earn how you're treated. And I said this before, but when you go someplace and when you, whether it's draft or free agency, you have to earn how you're treated. Right? The famous one, it's a cliche, is how Bill uh, Parcells treated LT. Oh, yeah. Like, LT got away with everything and he'd come in and still be LT. You just, all right, he's LT. We know he's going to produce. And we think of Parcells <laughs> as the ultimate, like, tough guy right. head coach. Right. And, and, but, when you when you have a guy who's gonna give it to you, like there's two there's two ways that you get treated the right way. I'm putting that in quotes. You get treated the right way 
in an NFL locker room or an NFL you know organization. One is if you have a great relationship with your superior, whether that's your position coach, your offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator, or head coach. You have a good relationship to the point where they trust you to tell you what's what to do right and wrong, etc. Or you're just a flat out baller, and if you're just beyond question the guy, you're going to get treated with ultimate respect. That that that. That's the biggest and most obvious way. And I think when I hear what he was talking about, you can't tell me about winning. Well, you can tell me about winning in Kansas City, sure. But this is not even close to the same situation. So now you don't even want to listen? Well, so it, it, I, it, 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 it's almost like he's, I don't know, it's almost like he's conflating some stuff so here's about what, success. Here's what pisses me off, Nicole right. Hardman. I can't believe you're making me do this. You're going to make me defend Robert Sala real hard right now, <laughs> and here's how it's going to sound, McColl. Your impact on winning in Kansas City was probably less than Robert Sala's impact on winning in San Francisco. <laughs> Robert Sala ran a defense. You were made to look special because you play with Patrick Mahomes. Look, I don't think Robert Sala's a very good head coach. And there were some buzzwords used by McCall Hardman. That concerns me. Lack of discipline. You may have missed it. He said lack of discipline. Well, that's something all Jet fans are concerned about when it comes to Robert Sala. And no, he has not won here. He has not won away from San Francisco. Well, guess what, McCall? You didn't win a damn thing away from Kansas City. So stop walking around acting like you're Pat Mahomes. You're not Pat Mahomes. Or you're Travis Kelsey. You're not Travis Kelsey. And so what's bothered me is there are things in what he said that I will admit as a Jet fan worry me. There are many things that worry me as a Jet fan. But you know what's also pissing me off now on February 28th? Everybody wants to come out and take their turn taking shots at the Jets. Whether it's Deion Dawkins or it's McCall Hardman with their own personal agendas. Deion Dawkins has an agenda because he got into a fight with Michael Clemens. Okay, fine. So you come out, you attack the entire defense. Now McCall Hardman comes out. I want to make this clear. There are things he said that worry me. We'll Mm -hmm. get into it further. But overall, here's what I hear. A guy that couldn't wait to take his shots at the Jets. Couldn't wait to talk about his vendetta against the Jets. You hate the Jets. Trust me. (laughs) I'll take care of ripping the Jets. Beningo will take care of ripping the Jets. BT will take care of ripping the Jets. Every Jet fan who listens to this radio station, who takes the time out of their day to call up, will make sure we make very clear what our worries are about the New York Jets. But what's starting to bother me now is I'm getting sick and tired of outsiders like McCole Hardman and Deion Dawkins getting their pound of flesh. <laughs> you have an agenda, bro. You have an agenda. You came here thinking you were a superstar. Here's what you were. You were one of those many Chicago Bulls in 1999 who got recycled around the NBA. You weren't winning championships. Michael Jordan was winning championships. You weren't winning titles. Scottie Pippen was winning titles. So you come to my team and act like you know about winning? What the hell do you know about winning? So don't take this as, oh, Evan believes in Robert Sala. No, no. I'm just sick and tired of everyone else, and this is a common thing, and maybe you guys could explain to me why it's occurring, 
why everyone likes to take their shots at the Jets. Everyone likes to kind of get their pound of flesh. You two chuckles over there, mm. Sean. You're one of them. You're one of them. Yeah. Like, I get it. This is not a defense of well, the Jets. Yeah. This is more a, dude, enough. It's interesting to think why fans of other teams would take shots at the Jets. And it's all because of the hype. It's all because of the Aaron Rodgers effect. Okay, it didn't team. work. Dude, I, it didn't I, work last but, year. But, we accept that. Hold on. I'm just talking about from a fan standpoint. I can see why the a fan of the, I don't know, the Buffalo Bills would take a shot. A fan, yeah. not a player. Yeah, yeah. A fan would take a shot at the Jets saying, oh, you guys had all this hype. Now look at you. Look, Aaron got hurt and you stunk. Right? Ha, 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 ha. Funny. Look at Look at you. Look how you got an egg on your face right now. I can see that from a fan standpoint. But I hear you on the on the player standpoint, especially for a player in Mikel Hardman, who's a free agent. And he's not guaranteed to go back to the Kansas City Chiefs. He I, didn't go back last year. He's acting like he was such an important piece. Right. And he's a free agent again. And here he is talking trash about one of the 31 other teams that might want to actually – he's not going to sign with the Jets, but you know what I mean. It just creates a – I don't know, a bad look for yourself. Well, you know what else is a bad look? You know what else is a really bad look? And you can tell me as a guy that's played that game, has laced it up, do you think refusing to play is a bad look? <laughs> Here's McCall Hardman explaining why he told the Jets, nah, I'm not going into the game. I meet with you and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get you some plays. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make sure you get involved in the game plan, but I play two plays. That's not, you can't tell me that. I'd rather you tell me I feel like these guys better than you and we'll figure you out later. I bet. I can take that. I'm a grown-ass man. I can, I understand that. But when you keep telling me and feeding me lies and saying certain stuff, then that's what don't sit right with me because, like, I know for a fact I'm better than him for sure. Like, I ain't trying to, you know, I know I'm better than him. I'm better than him, too. Garrett Wilson, the only person y'all should just be like, hey, he can go. He's one of them guys. So go. I have no problem with y'all putting around Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. But when you come to certain other things, like, come on, like, I don't understand why I'm not in the rotation with that. And y'all never gave me a reason as to why either. So hmm. he's upset. I wonder if he asked. You should. Wouldn't you ask if you're, you you want to know why you're not playing? By the yeah. way, I can tell you why you weren't playing. Maybe you're not that good. Maybe you're only that good with Pat Mahomes. Maybe that's the reason. But here's the real part that bothered me. Why he refused to enter a game as a member of the New York Jets. So as a coach, if your star return get hurt, you like, hey, listen, Hey, Ron, I, I, need, I might need you this game, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, Zay hurt or whatever. So just in case he can't go, would you, you know, I need you to start back there for me, right? That's something you relate to your next person. You got to let them know. That's like if, if, if the, your QB hurt, you need to tell the backup, hey, I need you to take more extra reps this week because you might have to play this game. That's what a coach does. Like, if you a coach, that's what you do. You in the you National Football League, bro. You not in Pop Warner. You a coach. Right. You supposed to, you supposed to let people know that. Because if I'm not a star returner, my mindset ain't on returning in the game. It's not. Unless I actually have to really do it. You know what I'm saying? So we get to, to the thing. Mind you, he got hurt on Wednesday. I didn't get talked to him Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. I not have not one word to this, this, this man. Sunday on the field, we out there catching punts. I got pads on. We finna play. I got, I'm catching out there catching punts. I'm on the knee. The, the team finna come out, especially the quarterback come to me. And like, hey, I need you to be the star returner in this game. I said, no. I'm not, I'm not returning punts for you, bro. He told myself, oh, you don't want to do it? No. Why would I, I want to return punts for you? Why would you want to? Because you're an <laughs> NFL player, dude. Because it's your job. 
because your job is to play football. You were just <laughs> bitching about how you think you're better than everyone but Garrett Wilson. Now your coach, Brant Boyer, is who he's talking about, basically tells you, hey, you're going to return punts. Now, if you want to rip his bedside banner and say he didn't communicate, that's fine. You're probably right. You refuse to enter a game. So the guy who's bashing the Jets about how they're a bunch of losers, they don't know how to win, he's the guy who pulled a Zach Wilson before Zach Wilson pulled a Zach Wilson. He refused to enter a game. Now, you tell me. Yeah. You accept that as a former NFL player? Hell no. I mean, sometimes you just got to do what you're, at, what you're asked to do, even if you're not going to be great at it. And by the way, it's not like he's not a punt returner. It's not like he doesn't know. He just said he was returning punts, catching punts. Yeah. So he knows how to catch punts. It's just that he didn't, he wasn't talked to yeah. before. Yeah, it was disrespected. So, I mean, to me, this sounds like a failure, a big failure. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Yes. That's exactly what that sounds by like. By the way, that's, and by the way, that's fine. That's on the coach. Yeah. Part of it's on him. Well, look. <laughs> so if you know that. I, you know that someone might be hurt. You know that you could be back there returning punts. Coach, can I be up? Why are you not asking to return punch? I mean, when I was going through my struggles earlier in my career, I was like, Coach, put me anywhere. I'll be the best third, bound, Dude, third pa- down back in the league. Paris Campbell did that for the Giants this year because he wasn't getting playing right. time. He said, just put me in return. Give me touches so I can, can I, I can return punts. I'll be the best one in the league. Let me return kickoffs. I'll be the best one in the league. But because he won two championships with the Kansas, with the Kansas City Chiefs, he thinks he's above that? Well, that's the thing. You're not. So if you're a Jet fan who's upset today because Miko Hardman took mm-hmm. major shots at the Jets that reinforces your worries about this coaching staff, I want to remind you that the man authoring this story refused to enter a game. He's also a man that, according to Sauce Gardner, even though he quickly deleted it, apparently decided to leak out the offensive game plan to the Philadelphia Eagles. Not that that mattered, Mm -hmm. because the Jets won the game anyway. So I'm mad as a Jet fan off of what happened last year. I think it's the biggest failure that this franchise has ever had. And we can spend a lot of time today talking about all our worries and concerns about the Jets, including what Joe Douglas had to say. But McCole Hardman wants to come out and start a fight? And act like he's Michael Jordan or he's Pat Mahomes? Kiss my ass, dude. Especially when you refuse to enter a game. Let that not be buried when McCall Hardman makes all this news today. Don't let it get buried. When every headline says the Jets are undisciplined. When every headline says they have no plan under Aaron Rodgers. By the way, all that stuff's fair. But it's coming from a guy who just said it. I just played it for you. He refused to enter a game. Okay. Okay. That's the guy. So if you guys want to attack the Jets from the outside, keep attacking. Because guess what? You found a weird guy that's actually going to defend my team. Mm Because I'm getting sick and tired of this crap from a Buffalo Bill and a former Chief and you. I. Okay, fine, me. Let's be real, though, about these comments. He actually hasn't said anything yet today, so I don't know if I should be mad. You shouldn't. Go ahead. Wrong messenger. Right message. I go back to training camp when we were there. The best teams coached themselves. Was Robert Soller you know, relying on Aaron Rodgers and whoever else to tell McCole Hardman he wasn't playing? I think this is what it comes back to. Yeah, but he doesn't have a relationship with him. I, look, that, see, that, and that's it. So this always comes to me. It's going to come back to relationships. True. And, and I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care 
what you do in life, relationships matter. And it sounded like he didn't have a good one with a lot of people. Yeah, and it sounded like he came in abrasive. I, that's exactly it. I don't think McCole Hardman should be defended in any way, shape, or form. I'm with Evan to a point. However, I do think behind the terrible messenger there, there is still an inherent message that's a problem with the Jets. And maybe, just maybe, as good a guy as Robert Sala is, we're learning here, his communication skills are not very good or not to the, you know, what you need to be an efficient NFL head coach. We'll address that message and your calls coming up 877-337-6666. It is a very busy February, the last day of the month. Oh, wait. It's not the last day of the month. It is a leap year. So we've been given the gift of an extra day in February here in 2024. I'll give you a neat little trick so you'll never forget when leap years are. Election years. Hmm. How about that? Now you'll never forget it. If it's a presidential election year, it is also a leap year. So watch this. Let's see how smart Sean is. Mm -hmm. Was it a leap year in 1996? I mean, you throw that at me. How about just 2020? But why would I do that? That was a recent 1996. 20, 20, 16, 12. You have to do math? (laughs) Four. Uh, Yeah, it was. (laughs) I felt like off the top by telling you a year you would know the presidential election. That doesn't work that way? No, Evan. I know what year sriracha sauce was popular. Okay? We have different (laughs) hobbies. I do want to thank the best player of the New York Jets because after McCall Hardman made his public comments criticizing the franchise... The Jets' best player from 2024 went on social media and responded by saying, quote, be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer opportunity. You have to earn it every year. That is a real big truth bomb from the New York Jets' best player. And, of course, you know who I'm talking about. That, of course, was Thomas Morstead, the punter of the New York Jets from a year ago. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but maybe I'm not. No, you're not. And by the way, their special teams was pretty damn good under uh, Boyer. So, not Boyer. Uh, yeah. yeah, Brent Boyer. Boyer. Yeah, Brent Boyer. It was pretty good. Right? Damn right. The kicking was good. The punting was good. I'm sure the returning would have been good, too, if Miko Hardman had stepped in for an injured uh, uh, teammate at some point. But, like, I mean, it does sound like sour grapes more than anything. Right, you're right. There is some truth in some of the things that are going on, and you can you can talk about those things, and you can try to explain them or give context to them. But you, you can't leave a team, go have success, and then talk trash about the other team. That's like, right. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make you look good. No. <laughs> if you missed what McCall Hardman said, we played the most important clips in the open, so you can hit the rewind button on the Odyssey app. But basically, McCall Hardman refused to enter a game. Because his feelings were hurt. <laughs> Let's go to Colin in Wyckoff, New Jersey. Good afternoon, Colin. Gentlemen, good afternoon. How are we doing? What's up, dude? I, Great. I think it's well said what you said, you know, Nicole Hardman. It's sour grapes. He's bitter. But if you let a clown wear a clown hat and put him in the circus, he's going to act like that. And you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, listen, if I go to work tomorrow and tell my boss I'm not doing a special, what I'm supposed to do is a living, I'm going to be out on Route 46 without a job. Right. That's I, right. This guy, he should have been benched. And by the way, way, Colin, that's why he was traded. Yeah, because think about it. The time, just to specify, the game we're talking about, if I'm not mistaken, because I did hear this whole thing, was the Kansas City game. Yes. Against his former team. And he got traded very much soon after. Yes. So clearly the Jets reacted by not being happy about it. Now, one thing that also came out of this is in the interview, he clearly mentioned that the Chiefs, 
and him spoke before he was traded. So there was a clear example of yeah. tampering. And Joe Douglas, who met the media earlier today as well, and I, I like Joe, but he comes across like half dead sometimes when he's talking. I got to be honest with you. There's no emotion. It's just, yeah, we gotta do better. We gotta do better. <laughs> and that doesn't make him bad at his job. It's just I'm giving you an observation yeah. on when he speaks. He's just trying not to give anything away. That's fine. The one time he showed emotion was when he was asked yeah. about the tampering by the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, here's the problem with the tampering. Okay, and I think I speak for many, many, many people when I say this. I don't really care if they tamper. Because if they're caught and they're guilty of tampering, the Jets don't get anything. No. It's not like we get an extra pick. No. They just get fined. Maybe they lose a pick. But that has nothing to do with the Jets. So Joe Douglas can be all pissed about it, but it serves the Jets no benefit. Right. Even if it's proven that, yes, Veach and Andy Reid reached out to McCall Hardman and they tampered. Who cares? And it's they're coming off a Super Bowl, so really who cares? Right? It's not like it's not like what are you doing to them? They're gonna be good regardless. It doesn't like, matter. It doesn't matter. Let's go to Mike in South Bend, Indiana. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how you guys doing today? What's up? Good. Uh longtime fan. So do you remember during hard knocks? when Robert Sala was reading off of the prompt thing on the screen when he was, like, addressing the whole team? Yes. Okay. That, for me, sparked something, Evan, when you were talking about McCall Hartman and the team being disoriented and helmets on the ground. Tiki, have you had a coach, when Fossil was your coach, did he read off a prompter? No, he no, he kind of always prepared. Yeah, but Jim, exactly. but Jim, but Jim was different. For me, Jim, that's Jim, like so Jim, not personal. Yeah, no, like, it's interesting. How are you going to connect with your players if you're reading off a prompter? Yeah, but he, I mean, maybe he had a lot to say. I don't know. Oh come on, <laughs> come on, man. That's, no, you're that's right. Not, you're right. Me. No, you're right. It's just it kind of it. It feels like, man, did you prepare for this, or you know, you just kind of write down your thoughts and you didn't want to get lost. Presentation exactly. skills are, are it's on TV as well right. for everybody to see. I mean, it's hard not to bash the guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm 44 years old. I've been a lifelong Jets fan since I was little, and I can't remember. Uh, hold yeah. on a second. Let me take care of that. <laughs> but I, it was well said. Yes. yes. <laughs> was, he was some, absolutely right. Sometimes I wish we didn't have to dump curses. I know, right? Because the execution of the curse word was well positioned. Dude, it was right on time. In fact, <laughs> let me clean it up for everybody. It was, since, so, it was so good that Loogie and Sean didn't even hear it. I know. <laughs> I had to dump it. <laughs> I, was the, I was the backup to the backup. But let me just say what he said, minus the curse word. But then you could hear how well it was. He's like, listen, man, I never get excited for Jet seasons. Well, I'm excited till week five, and then we're bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> and he's oh, right. That's classic. Great Look, call. <laughs> I, here's, the, here's the problem we all have, if we're all going to be honest. None of us trust Robert Sala. Hmm. None of us trust him. He yeah. hasn't done enough in the three years he's been here to earn our trust. And there are a lot of warning signs that he ain't the guy. But hearing a rip job of him from McCall Hardman, sour grapes. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't move right. what I already know and think about him. Yeah. No. I mean, I think with coaching, you have to be yourself. Like you have to do what you're most comfortable at, and guys are either going to respond or they're not. That's why some coaches, like they have a good plan, they have everything in in in, in order. They they have 
full belief in what they're talking about. Arthur Smith is a perfect example in Atlanta who got fired after three seasons, three identical seasons of seven and ten. Um, when you if you talk to him, it's like, hey, you, this guy really has an idea of what he wants to do. So it wasn't like he's not a bad coach. It just it, it never translated. And part of it is because they didn't have the right quarterback. But think about a, a guy like Dan Campbell. And I'm using Dan because I know him well. He's my teammate. He's had unbelievable success. Think about how fiery and unscripted he is all the time. Yes. Even though I think it's not unscripted. I think he prepares to be chaotic like that. Interesting. And and it resonates with this team because he's it feels like he's in a and I think he actually is speaking from his heart. Right? It's like he's saying things that like old school coaches used to talk about. Yeah. And but he does it in a in a in a very coordinated way. And so all you want to do is follow that guy. And so I think c- how you communicate is so important, but it's really hard if you're not a natural communicator. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? I totally get it, and I understand those concerns. Can I tell you the specific concern I have about Robert Sala? Go ahead. And it's a very similar concern to one I had about Rex Ryan, and I love Rex Ryan. I he was the look- opposite. Well, personality-wise. I'm talking about communi- yeah. communication-wise. Communication-wise, personality-wise, completely different. Here's where they're similar. Okay, specifically, and this is what concerns me. And overall, I like Rex Ryan. I'll fight with anybody that Rex Ryan is one of the better Jet head coaches of my lifetime. But he had a fatal flaw. And it was the fatal flaw that ended his time here. And it's one of the major, major concerns I have about Robert Sala. Rex Ryan was a brilliant defensive mind. And he felt at times like he knew not a damn thing about the offense, what was going on with the offense, Mm. and how to fix the offense. When I hear about how disorganized this offense was. And I and I get what you're saying, Tiki, about mm-hmm. the offensive line. I don't want you to think I'm minimizing right. it. Of course it was but a major issue. Honestly, the offensive line was less of it to me. It was the disparate people put together to try to make a process work. I get it. For everything to be as broken as it was last year, I know the easy answer is to just bash Nate Hackett, and that's fine. I'm saying he deserves blame too. But above that, it's Robert Sala. You're the head coach. If things are broken, you fix it. If things are effed up, you fix it. Yeah. And I think at the end with Rex, what I finally came around to is, man, I love Rex. Great defensive mind. Uh, we won games, which Robert Sala hasn't yeah. done. But, boy, that guy's got no idea what's going on on the other side of the right. ball. And when you're a head coach, you have to know well, what's going the, on on the and, other and side and of the we ball. we saw a perfect example of that in the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is an, a great offensive mind. Now, he's decision-making. We all know what that has led to his not being able to win some big games and big moments. But as an offensive mind with all of the things that he does scheme-wise and position-wise, motion-wise, we know how good he is. But think about like one of the defining moments in that Super Bowl going down the stretch was he had no faith in what Steve Wilkes Called a timeout, changed the play, right? Called a timeout and said, Do, stop doing that. Yes. And so here is an offensive-minded coach who spends, I would say, 90% of his time with the offense. Maybe he's paying attention a little bit to the defense. But in that moment, he knew exactly what to do to get, I don't know, get this team back on back on now, line. Imagine, now, imagine work. Imagine that but, situation, though, and I can't believe I'm defending Kyle Shanahan after we spent, like, right, days and weeks right. bashing him. But well, that I think just, that's, we're, we're, we're bashing his decision-making. We're not bash, bashing his coaching acumen. Right. Imagine what you just laid out about what Kyle Shanahan did in the Super Bowl. He called a timeout mm-hmm. and told his defensive guy, hey, what are we doing? Yes. Change it. Can you imagine Robert Sala doing that with the offense? Can anybody imagine that? 
No. I want you to close your <laughs> Not eyes. Not a chance. Not no. a chance. And that's why I get what Sean said at the top. Great teams coach themselves. I get the teleprompter stuff. I get a lot of stuff. Mm. Texting with Joe if you want to bring up that old story. Right. But my number one concern is the fatal flaw that brought down the best coach of my lifetime. Right. Well, I'll disagree with Sean because I don't think great teams coach themselves. I think great teams discipline themselves. Right? It's all about accountability. It's about those leaders who are just sub to the head coach disseminating the same message in the same way. Mm. And so you don't have a confusion about what the expectation is because it's coming from the head coach and it comes from the quarterback and the, the offensive defensive leaders the special to everybody's on the same page discipline yes coaching no coaching is specific man and if you don't have good ones who can teach and learn and help you learn and make it second nature you're just not going to be successful you're going to yeah. bust you're going to have moments in games where you're just wait who am i supposed to block this guy that's standing right over me oh wait no uh, sorry it's too late Right, my quarterback just got destroyed, and now we're on to our backup. Right? That's what happens when you don't have good coaches. Just to be clear, Robert Sala is the one that told us good teams coach themselves. <laughs> yeah, that bothers the best teams coach themselves. Let's go to George in Bloomfield, New Jersey. You're on the fan, George. What's up, George? Georgia, his phone is dead. All right, George. You're in Sorry a dead area, that. George. Sorry. Let's go to Chris and Flint. What's up, Chris? Hey, T.C. Evan, how's it going, What's guys? What's up, dude? Good, man. What's up? All right, so I want to get to Hardman here, but I also I want to share a funny Virgil story with you, Evan, before I get off yeah, the line. Yeah, rest in peace, Virgil. Unfortunately, the great, right. his real name, by the way, was Michael Jones. Virgil Vincent, WWE, WCW, passed away today, age of 62. Way too young. Yes, yes. All right, so on the McCall Hardman thing, he, he has no ground to stand on, right? I mean... He's dropping passes all year. He's making himself look like a clown. Even his peers, and Tiki, you're a former player. You could probably, you know, touch on this. Yeah. His peers, his peers, they don't want him on their team if he's pulling these things. So I don't think he's going to be on a team next year, to be honest with you. So who cares what his opinion is? He's out there looking for some sort of publicity at this point, and I mean, between him and Tyreek Hill having plus-size models in his background backyard playing football with him <laughs> and breaking her legs, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the wide receivers right now. Guys. Right. Well, at least Tyreek Hill is a baller. At least Tyreek Hill gives yeah, you, like he earns the respect because he just kicks your ass all the, every, every single afternoon. Yeah, hundred percent. You want that guy no matter what. He's no doubt. Like you'll de- you'll deal with his nonsense. <laughs> well, unlike yeah. McCall Harmon, he's a tremendous player. There's a difference. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing. If my wife told me I had to pick up the kids because she was stuck in traffic and I said, hell no, I ain't doing that to you. I ain't doing that for you. I'm sleeping on the couch, guys. Right, so, right. You're, or, or she might not right. be your wife anymore. <laughs> yes. You, yeah, I knock on wood, I never want that to happen. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Virgil. It's the year after WCW closed down, and he's doing all the circuits and the uh, Comic-Cons and stuff. He comes to Detroit, the Motor City Comic-Con, and this is the first time, I'm sure, Evan, much as a wrestling fan as you are, you know, the whole Lonely Virgil thing, you've seen it. Yes, I've I've experienced it firsthand. I've hung out with Lonely Virgil. So, me too. This is the first year after WCW closes down. Yes. They got him in this corner of Cobo Hall in Detroit. <laughs> oh, God. And, like, there's no one there. Yes. Oh, wow. So, yes. I go up, and I'm a diehard wrestling fan. So, like, I buy the $20 photo, get an autograph. 
And I'm like, thanks, man, all the memories, this and that. And he goes, hey, can I tell you something? And I'm, you know, 17-year-old me, I'm like, oh, this is cool. He wants to talk. He's like, you know what I really love about a woman? And I'm like, what's Uh-oh. that? <laughs> I'm not, not going to have you guys hit the button on me. But he proceeded to tell me how he liked his women. And um, <laughs> let's, let's just say it was <clears throat> all natural, no razors involved. Oh, God. <laughs> And, uh, and you're 17, was, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And me and my buddy are looking at each other. And he goes down on, he, he goes down to tell me that he's, he's making all these gyrations and facial things. And I'm just like, there's no way this is really happening. This is before, this is before camera phones and all that. Yeah, right? yeah, no right. one is going to believe this. Right. Right. Well, that's a great and, memory for you to share well, on, on, on a day to remember Virgil well, passed away way too early. Here's what's amazing. What if I told you I had the exact same experience? Exactly the same. Very similar. So Virgil would show up at a Rundle Mills Mall in Maryland, mm-hmm. and he would sit there and he would sign autographs. And I'm a big wrestling fan, man. Every time I went to a Rundle Mills, I would run into Virgil. I would tell my girlfriend at the time, my God, that's Virgil. You don't understand. When he turned on Ted DiBiase at Royal Rumble, that was a moment. She thought I was crazy. And I went up to Virgil, and I met him a few times. I, every time I saw him, I would go up and meet him. Right. And one time he did make a comment that was very, uh, <laughs> an, an off-collar comment about, you know, women mm. and whatnot. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. And I said, thank you. And I moved on. Yeah. But he was a very nice man. He was endearing. He would love to have a conversation and he was a part of, to me, one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history when he finally turned on Ted DiBiase at the Royal Rumble. And, full irony of that, I'll ask Lugie, do you know who they fought at the Rumble? It was a tag team match. It was Ted DiBiase sure do. and Virgil against two other people. Who are they? That would be the Mac and Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and his son, the guy that blocked you on X, Dustin Rhodes. That is Gold correct. Dust. That is correct. Uh-huh. That was the match. Yep. <laughs> and the excitement in that crowd when Virgil finally turned on Ted DiBiase, because Ted turned around and said, when I turn around, you're going to put that million-dollar belt around my waist, <laughs> very disrespectfully. And Virgil picks it up, and the crowd's like begging, like, come on, dude. Smash him over the head with Smash it. Smash him, man. And this has been such a slow build. Like, you yeah. got to turn on him. And then finally hits him with the belt. Crowd went nuts. Incredible moment mm-hmm. for Michael Jones, I known can, as Virgil. And then won the million-dollar championship at the Garden at SummerSlam that same year. In a I, great garden moment. I don't remember that The as match well, made in but, heaven, okay. the match made in hell. You know that summer side. I remember that summer yeah, yeah. So he won the million dollar belt at yeah. that event? Put that on tonight with Jed, Tiki, do your homework. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. So it's probably his crowning moment. It is amazing you two got married. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, this is where I turn on him. You know, so when, I don't know if you know this, when Virgil beat Ted at Madison Square Garden and won the million dollar belt, mm-hmm. fourth greatest moment in garden history. True story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Top five. You're, the LJ you, play is two slots behind. You it continue to be a classless ass. Yeah, <laughs> a classless ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. a classless we don't ass. Need a go to Evo for that one. No, no, you don't need that. I am going to tell you the brilliance of Madison Square Garden later. I will put that building over because I spent my evening at Madison Square Garden last night and had arguably the greatest panini ever made. <laughs> Let's go to Alec in Edgewater. What's up, Alec? Hey guys, uh, first time, long time. I just wanted to talk about just how ridiculous it is that Nicole Hardman is able to get this opportunity to play for the team in the situation that he wants to. They could have traded him 
like to Chicago, right. to some other godforsaken franchise, and he could suffer there as well. But no, this guy gets to go on, play with Patrick Mahomes again, play for Andy Reid again, go on, win a Super Bowl, and get all this glory. Now he's going to take shots. You're right. I, I'm just, I'm just sick of this. Like Evan was talking about earlier, this pound of flesh. Like honestly, from guys like Sean, like you can take it. You know, it's, it's another fan. <laughs> but like from players, and it's just you won already. Like. Give me a break. Right, right. He's just trying to – it's one of those moments where you you just want to make yourself feel better. You want to feel justified when you don't need to because it comes off as gloating. It comes off as I know better. It comes off as a, I'm the victim mm. despite being successful anyways. Yeah. Right? So just – I, I just wanna it's one of my pet peeves. Like people who are ultimately successful talking about all the bad things that, that they had to go through. Feel sorry for me. But look at me, I'm a success story. That's not it doesn't it doesn't resonate. You're you, right. Just talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're right, and our last caller spot on, and this should not be underrated. Joe Douglas did McCole Hardman a favor. Right. He could have sent him to purgatory. Could have sent him to the Carolina Panthers. He could have sent him to Carolina. He could have just benched him. He could have said, you know what? Derlick a duty. You refuse to enter a game. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. Instead, Joe Douglas, out of the kindness of his heart, because they didn't get much back, sent him to heaven and even gave him the opportunity to win another Super Bowl. And I'm getting sick and tired of outsiders taking shots at my team. You know who's going to take shots at my team? Me and every other Jet fan. And we'll do that in a few minutes because Joe Douglas had some things to say. What did he say? We'll give you a thumbnail reaction to that. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 